For The Daily Princetonian, I'm Hope Perry. You're listening to Daybreak. Today, Daybreak sits down with Professor Michael Oppenheimer to discuss the United Nations ongoing climate summit. It's Friday, November 5th. First, in sports, the undefeated Princeton Tigers football team will be in Hanover, New Hampshire tonight to take on 6-1 Dartmouth. Dartmouth is coming off a three-point win at Harvard, who you might remember Princeton beat by two at homecoming two weeks ago. The game will kick off at 6 p.m., and for the second week in a row, you can watch the game on national TV on ESPNU. Also keep an eye out for special coverage in the Prince from the game. We're sending a little contingent to Hanover tonight to cover it. We've been keeping you up to date this week with the latest developments out of the United Nations 26th Climate Conference, the Conference of Parties, or COP26. The conference runs through next Friday. Daybreak correspondent Wilson Kahn sat down with Princeton professor Michael Oppenheimer, a geoscientist and climate policy expert, to ask what to expect from the conference and what success would look like from a scientific perspective. I'm Michael Oppenheimer, professor of geosciences and international affairs in the Geoscience Department and the School for Public and International Affairs at Princeton University. So my first question is, uh, this week is the Conference of Parties in Glasgow. Uh, What are you thinking about uh, as the United Nations is now holding its 26th climate conference? I'm thinking about people uh, should keep their expectations limited. This is not a conference that makes or breaks, although it's very important. We shouldn't think that if it isn't regarded as a success afterwards, that the end of the world or total failure on the climate problem, or that if it is a success, that it's everything is a piece of cake from here on. The, the reality is that this is the 26th meeting in a series of conferences that occurred, that began in 1992 internationally proclaimed danger zone, which was done in the Paris Agreement in 2015, that uh, climate gets sort of out of control if you get to about a degree and a half of warming, was that that was a good estimate consistent with the science. The second finding is that if the earth warms even a tenth or two tenths of a degree above that level, many of the impacts of climate change only worsen. And so the world had appropriately chosen to try to limit warming to between one and a half and two degrees. And when I say the world, I mean countries had agreed upon that as part of the Paris Agreement. And so that's what the latest science says. And that adds a level of urgency, because if you are already about 1.1 degrees uh, Celsius warmer than pre-industrial and your target is 1.5 degrees, you don't have a lot of headroom. So all of a sudden, the Glasgow meeting, the Glasgow Conference of the Parties became the focus of a lot of aspiration that we could somehow massively accelerate the efforts, which were already underway in many countries, to cut the emissions of the greenhouse gases. Unfortunately, sometimes scientific knowledge advances quicker than does the political ability to do something about it. So it's no surprise that some governments, A, haven't shown up, namely the Chinese, there are Chinese delegates there, but the Chinese leader hasn't shown up, even though the American leader showed up, the Russian leader didn't show up. And so those are two key countries. Of the countries that did show up, there's good representation from the EU, the American president, Biden showed up, delivered some strong messages, and the Indian Prime Prime Minister, Narendra Modi, showed up. And he also uh, indicated for the first time that it looks like India is going to take some unexpected steps forward to rein in its emissions. So the question always comes down to what motivates these leaders to not quite go quite far enough? And that's 
because essentially in each country for different reasons, the pressure isn't there, either from the political elites that influence the governments or from the average person, particularly in democracies. And if you ask why the pressure isn't there, you can blame confusing and uh, a, a disinformation campaign by the fossil fuel producers and the firms that use a lot of fossil fuels, which has been going on for decades in an attempt to confuse the public. And they have confused the public. Number two, the average person's natural tendency to not worry so much, to discount things that are largely happening in the future. But then again, the impacts are starting to be obvious even to the average person in the street. And, and that's one reason we see this rising concern around getting something out of the Glasgow meeting. And the fact that leaders are always worried about being reelected and that's their primary concern. And so they weigh in balance and in that weighing and balancing, spending money in the short term on things that'll benefit largely future generations, but not entirely going to benefit people today uh, is always a tough thing for them to do. So the bottom line is this is technologically possible, scientifically necessary, but politically difficult to get the job done. You mentioned this. Uh, there's kind of been a lot of pressure on this conference to, you know, for these leaders to make big strides and the commitments and sort of stuff they're making to, to curbing the effects of climate change and curbing emissions. I guess I'm curious, what would success at this conference look like from, from your perspective? We already got an interesting agreement out of a whole bunch of countries to reduce emissions of methane, which is a powerful greenhouse gas, more powerful per molecule than carbon dioxide, but not 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 having a larger climate effect in total because there's so much more carbon dioxide emitted. We got an interesting agreement on ending deforestation, which if it's implemented will make a significant difference, although there is a checkered history uh, among the countries that have large tropical forests in particular. Uh, like Brazil. In, yeah, like Brazil. Brazil says they're on board, but the political situation in Brazil is is dicey and we don't know if we can trust Bolsonaro's words. Uh, so, but those two agreements are, those are the kinds of things that should come out of these meetings. In addition, other statements, not that relate to 2050 or 2070, but statements that relate to commitments to do something in a short time frame, like 2030, where people who are watching today can keep their eye on the ball and hold the countries to account if they don't do what needs to be done. Mm -hmm. Those are meaningful commitment. All right, well, thank you so much, Professor Oppenheimer. On campus today, expect sunny skies with a high of 53 and a low of 29 degrees. That's all for Daybreak today. Today's episode was written by Wilson Kahn, sound engineered by me, and produced under the 145th Managing Board of the Prince. Our theme was composed by Ed Horn, class of 2022. For The Daily Princetonian, I'm Hope Perry. Have a wonderful weekend.